people behind me somewhere. Um, it is good to be together. Uh, Adam, thank you for leading us in singing. It's good for my soul uh, to be together in person with people and sing together. My name is uh, Brian, uh, so I have uh, a less attractive, less intelligent brother, two brothers actually here that attend here. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I gotta get my jab. They're not even in the same room, so I can throw jabs uh, as I as I will. I'm the youngest of, of four, actually. So now, as I'm I'm living uh, on borrowed time and trying to get those jabs in as I can, uh, I'm the husband of a lovely wife, Heather, and I have four uh, young children. And so, actually, I it is, I'm so happy to see young families here. Uh, it would be weird speaking to a group of just adults. I wouldn't know what to do. So. Uh, just as an encouragement, it is, I know when I come with my young family at church, I'm excited if they make noise. I wouldn't know what to do if they won't make noise. It'll feel like I'm at my own uh, kitchen table, and so I'm so glad that you guys are together with us. Uh, when I'm not with my kids or my wife, I'm the principal at Meadows Baptist Academy, uh, and I'm also a good friend of your pastor, Pastor Nate, and so it was a, a privilege uh, to be asked to do this. And uh, it was kind of an interesting thing because he asked, hey, would you be willing to do it uh, when, when we have our baby? And so that's kind of this moving target. You're preparing for a sermon. You're not sure when you're going to preach. And then he tricked me, uh, and they both ended up getting sick with COVID. And so now I'm here a little bit early. No baby yet, but I am here. And uh, so I am, well, I'm going to pray for us in a little bit, but we are going to be in Colossians chapter 3. So Colossians chapter 3, we're going to go through verses 1 to 17. Uh, the other trick that Pastor Nate gave me is he said, uh, you've only got 20 minutes. So that's not a long period of time. I will do my best to stick to that. So we're going to hit Colossians 3, 1 to 17 uh, pretty quickly, kind of bird's eye view. We're going to hit it fast. Colossians 3, 1 to 17 is really, and Colossians 3, 1 to 4 is really a transitional paragraph within the book of Colossians. And in these four verses, Paul is transitioning from what is largely the theological nature of the letter uh, to the practical portions of the letter. So taking theology, moving it into practice. It's interesting because we see this pattern all throughout um, the New Testament, and specifically in Paul's Letters. Ephesians 4, 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So we see this therefore where he's saying, therefore, in light of what came before, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Really famous verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, after this huge kind of theological discourse, says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And we see the same pattern in our text today. So, so really, why would I even highlight that uh, idea? And the reason is, is simply this. It, it, our theology is meant to lead us to practice. Our knowing is meant to lead us to uh, our, our doing. And so I'm going to pray for us. Uh, this morning, and I'm going to just encourage you as you sit there uh, and listen, and that as, it, as I pray, that you are sitting and listening to God's Word this morning with the idea of, of asking this one simple question of, God, if it's true, how do I apply it to my life? 
and, and that should always be our focus. But I'm going to pray that. I'm, I'm really going to pray uh, actually from the book of James and just pray that God allows us to be not just hearers of God's word, but doers also. And so I need that in my own heart. So if you bow with me, we're going to pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you that you know us, that you uh, love us, that you care for us. Uh, Father, we pray as we open your word this morning, Lord, I pray that I would get out of uh, the way. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help me. Um, that you would help me, Lord, that you uh, would uh, fill my mouth with your words, Father, of your spirit to be working in the hearts of those who are here, including my own, Lord. We desire to be doers of your word, not just hearers uh, only, Father. We desire to take what you have said and apply it to every single aspect and every single inch uh, of our life. Uh, Lord, we lift up in prayer this morning those who are not here, those who are sick. We think of Pastor Nate and Brittany. Um, Lord, we think of members of this church, members of other churches. Uh, Father, there's people in this community who are who are sick and, and uh, even maybe scared right now. I'm not sure how their battle with COVID is going to go, Lord. Would you be their comfort? Uh, Father, would you use uh, these experiences and these trials to draw them closer to you? And, and if I, Father, would you just give opportunities, even in this moment right now, in the, in the confusing nature of these regulations and restrictions and and Lord, would you help us to know you and to love you more? Would we see opportunities to preach the gospel all over uh, what is happening right now? And we, need your, uh, we need your eyes to see those things, Lord. Uh, we need you to work in our hearts. And so we pray that you would do this, uh, that this morning. Uh, you know the, the place that each and every one of us comes into this room. Uh, Father, you know those of us who are discouraged, those of us uh, who are frustrated or angry, or confused, or those of us who are just doing well and are just tracking uh, with you. Father, you know all those things. So we pray that you would meet us uh, where we are at. Would you bring encouragement where encouragement is needed? Would you bring conviction where conviction is needed? Uh, Father, thank you that you know us and love us. We ask that you would be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, question is, how does Paul... Uh, in Colossians 3, how does he transition from the theological nature of the letter to the practical nature of the letter? And he starts by summarizing a couple of key truths taught earlier in Colossians. We pick up in Colossians 3, verse 1. It says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Paul's first key point is this. If you have been raised with Christ, you are to seek the things that are above He's writing to believers, and thus the if-then really is rhetorical. You could actually translate it saying, since you have been raised with Christ. And the logic follows like this. If you've been raised with Christ, or since you have been raised with Christ, you now identify with Him in His ways. His concerns are your concerns, and His kingdom has become the place where your citizenship resides, both now and ultimately in the future. We see this in Colossians uh, 1, 13-14, saying, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us uh, to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
I thought an analogy that's helpful to really try and portray this idea. Uh, I have four children. My oldest two children are adopted. So we adopted them when they were really little. But when, I, when we adopted them, uh, they positionally changed. We brought them from a different family. And in a moment in time, we brought them into ours. And in every single aspect, they were brought from a different family into ours, a different position into my family. And now as they've gotten older, I am explaining to them that being in the Hunter family comes with some very specific responsibilities. I have some expectations for my boys. And so when they were transferred from that, that family into mine, I now have conversations with them like, right, I will not raise a son who speaks disrespectfully to his mother. Well, what am I doing? I am communicating to that child, you are in this family, and as a result of being in this family, right, our concerns as a family are your concerns. The way that we act as a family is how you will act. I have a specific set of instructions and expectations for my son because he is in my family. Family, and that's kind of what Paul's getting at here, right? Is is that if you have been raised with Christ, if you are in this kingdom, there is a specific set of instructions and actions that you are to live by. You are you are not in former life; you are in a new life. And so, the first truth that we see, right, is that you have been raised with Christ to a new purpose. Mainly, you are to seek His kingdom. The second key truth is this. Our spiritual death and resurrection with Christ gives us the ability to pursue the things that are above. If you go back to that analogy with my son, it's, it's not only am I telling him, I'm saying, you are in my family and this is how you need to act. I actually take his heart out of his chest and I put in a new heart that he is able to do what I am asking him to do. And that's what happens Right? When you are saved, you are positionally changed. But listen to this. Set your minds, verse 2, on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. This language is stunning because right, Paul claims that the Colossians, though very physically alive, they're reading his have died in the past. Uh, another uh, chapter that's really helpful to kind of expound this is Romans 6, starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in grace? Uh, are, we con are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him, uh, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. This point is, is more fully expressed in Colossians 2, 11-14. We read this, In him also you were circumcised 
with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your, fe- your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Right? What an incredibly encouraging point. When we repent of our sins and trust in Christ for salvation, we both die with Christ and are raised with him. Our old self is thrown off by the power of Christ and we are made new. The stranglehold of the power of sin is broken in our lives. And so we see that we've been changed positionally. We've been brought from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. And you've been changed spiritually. He has enabled you. He's given you a new heart. The power of sin is broken in your life. And the thing that he asked you to do, you are now able to obey. If you remember nothing else from what I say this morning, know this. If you are a Christian, he has enabled you to follow and to do what he has commanded you to do. He is now asking you to do things that he has given you the power to do. Difficult, yes, but you have the power through Christ to do those things. The question we should ask now is, okay, well, what does that mean? How do we start to be who we are? How do we start to act according to what God has done in our lives? And we start by reading verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The things of earth are those practices that go against the character and the law of God. Simply put, they are sin, and once they are identified, the command is clear. In order to pursue the things that are above, we must simultaneously put to death the things that are of the earth. Uh, it should be noted here, though, that his, the list of sins is not exhaustive, so if you read through that, uh, that list and you see, ha, mind it. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. That's actually pretty encompassing. But the point is not to look at that list and say, whew, I've done a minor on there. Uh, Anything that is out of line with the character and the law of God is to be put to death. The question really then is, okay, how do we do this? I know we're to put it to death or to put these things to death. How do we do that? Well, the first... Right, as you put those things to death, not forgetting the verses we just read, verses 1, 2, 4. Right? Remembering that it, if you have been raised with Christ, you are to seek the things that are above. All right, then verse 3, for you have died, your old self is dead, you've been raised to newness of life. You have been given the power by the grace of God to put those things to death. Second, the language of putting to death, that that paints a pretty vivid picture. And the idea there is you are to take radical measures. You remember what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 to 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body 
go into hell. And so the idea is we, we recognize we have right, we have strength that God's given us a new heart, and so we have this spiritual empowerment. But the second thing is we recognize it takes radical measures. Third, we put off sin by getting a proper view. One of the things that can help is by getting a proper view of how God sees sin. Read verse 6 with me. On account of these things, the things previously mentioned, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, the wrath of God is coming. Right? As believers, we would do well to remind ourselves that sin is not to be trifled with. It is because of sin that the wrath of God is being poured out. Right? And we would do well to remember that. But as we remember that, as we try to see sin in its proper light, um, as we recognize God's wrath against it, we must remember that uh, one key fact in verse 7. So because of these, or in verse 6, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. And then verse 7, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. What an awesome verse. What hope for the spread of the gospel. Right? The question is not, can people be living in these that are living in these sins be saved? We know they can, for we were once those people. Right? The question is not, can I preach the gospel to that person? Man, their life is a mess. You were, and I was those people. That is who we were. That's all throughout the New Testament. So I don't know the beauty of coming into a church where you don't know anybody. I don't know who I'm looking at, aside from a couple people. I don't know if this is the first time you've been here. Um, maybe it is. Maybe you're not a Christian. I have no idea. But know this, right? God loves the sinner. He loves you. And He asks you to change, yes, but He is the one who died on the cross and paid the penalty for your sin. You are full of a church with people who were those people and continue to struggle with those sins. Paul's next list of vices to rid ourselves up, up of hits another key area of sin, our attitudes and our speech. Colossians 3, 8-11. But now we must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Here Paul hits at another aspect of Christian living. Uh, an intense or an intensely practical aspect of our Christian living, our our attitudes of our heart and our speaking with our mouths. Right, as citizens of a different kingdom, we are to be changed at a heart level. We are to put off earthly heart attitudes and earthly speech. And once again, when when we are reading about this, Paul grounds his commands in the theological truths that were explained previously says this, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its 
practices, and this would raise a, a question, he's saying, don't continue lying, don't do this because you've already put that off, and you think, well, if I've already put it off, why do I need to still fight this, and, and the question, or the answer, that question is answered in Colossians 3, 10 to 11, and of uh, having put off the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, and so there's this sense in which, yes, you have been changed, and yes, you can are continually being changed. So you have been changed in a moment of time, and you are continuing to be sanctified and being made more and more and more into the image of Christ. Right? And that is a process by which you act and God acts. Right? He is commanding you to do something, put off. And he's going to command us later, put on. But it is God who works in us. We are to work also. So as, as we've been talking, we've been mainly talking and, and focusing on what we are to put off. And, and that is certainly, right, that's half the story. We, As we follow Christ, as we're made into his image, we are to put to death sin. We are to continue to walk away from those things, to turn from those things. But we also are to put on, uh, and we are to be careful about what we are to be putting on, the attitudes and the actions that we are to Walking, there is a certain set of ones that put on. Uh, I thought I could illustrate this with uh, a story of when I put on the wrong things. Uh, I, my wife's name is Heather, and she had some ladies over. We used to live on a busy kind of main street in Edmonton. She had some ladies over hanging out, and I went to bed. So about three hours later, and it was later probably than they should have been up. I get woken up out of a dead sleep. And uh, there was uh, an intoxicated man who had come to the front of our door and was banging on the door trying to get in because the light was on. So I get a very panicky wife, wakes me out of a dead sleep, and says, there's a man trying to get into that house, and she's freaking out. So I hop out of bed, and, uh, and I go to run downstairs, and then I realize, oh, there's ladies downstairs, and I'm just in my underwear. And so, in the darkness, she's already gone back downstairs, I grab the first pair of pants that I can feel. Well, I start putting them on, and they're really tight. And I'm like, ah, no, they're Heather's pants. So, again, I realized I probably should have just gone downstairs and dealt with the gentleman. But I thought I should probably put pants on. So, I take those pants off, I grab the next pair of pants that I feel, put them on. Ah, oh, Heather's pants. Put them on. I have a third pair of pants. I found my own. Pants. The moral of the story is you need to be careful about what you are putting on. Uh, also, you should probably deal with intruders before getting dressed. But that's a different side of the story. So we're to put on the right thing. And the question is, what attitudes and actions are we to be putting on? Uh, there are lots of them, but Paul will name some of them in Colossians 3, 12 to 17. And he says this. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And we're going to read through this a couple times. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Right? It's really, so what are we to put on? Well, we see verse starting in verse 12. Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So how do we put these on? My first point I would make is it, it takes decisive action in the same way. And sometimes it's easier to think about putting off or putting to death sin. Right? We recognize, okay, if I'm walking in that sin, I need to kill that. I need to stop doing that. Sometimes it's harder to think about actively putting on something like kindness or humility or meekness or patience. Right? And some of the answer to that question is it takes intentional action. You're commanded to put them on. Right? Do this. Act this way. And one of the ways we do that is by making that decisive choice and action to say, Lord, I am going to do these things. The second point, though, is key. And these work in unison. We do those by the Spirit of God. And so... Yeah, if you're even just reading this list, you're going to think, man, that list sounds strangely familiar to another common list, right? The fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians, we see, right, we walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Or earlier in Galatians, the life I now live, I live by faith, right? And so as we desire, as you want, as you act to put on these, these character, these attributes and these actions, you do so by the Spirit of God. And so you wake up in the morning and you think, you know, the Lord, and the Lord has convicted you, God, I, you, would you work kindness in my heart? I am going to seek to be kind, Lord. Would you work in my heart? Would you give me the power to do that? Would you give me the grace to do that? And with the same fervor that we, that we attack or we put off sin, we need to put on what we should be doing. Well, how can we do that? What's another way that we can do those things. And sometimes it's nice when uh, we can just look at it and we can just keep it simple. Right? Let, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so first we put on, right, when we fight to have the word or the message of the gospel saturate your mind and your heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the question is, are you doing that? Right? Second thing, we fight to worship together. You could also say we fight to worship individually. Right? So, right. 
uh, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, even together, even in a small group of people. What a blessing and a joy for your heart to sing together, to sing praises to God. And the third one, be marked with thankfulness. Right, verse 15, the end of it literally just says, be thankful. Uh, verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. It is true that COVID has changed much of our lives. It is true that uh, these are confusing times. It is true that these are frustrating times. All of those things are true. What is simultaneously true is that how we grow to be more like Christ has not changed due to COVID. And the question is, right, are you letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Are you singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs corporately, individually? Are you worshiping Christ? Are you walking in thankfulness, recognizing what Christ is doing in your Life and I and I want to just really summarize and wrap this up by trying to draw out some some specific and some targeted uh, applications. And so, first one I would say is: Are you letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly? As COVID has has meant your social life has changed, your work life has probably changed, your home life has likely changed. What is dwelling in your heart? Uh, is it the Word of Christ? Or is it Netflix? Is it the Word of Christ? Or is it CNN or Fox News or CBC or whatever news you listen to? Is it the Word of Christ or is it conversations that are ungodly? Right, and I belabor the point because I know that all of those things that I have listed are things that I am tempted to let dwell in my heart and then ask questions to do. So I would encourage you this morning if you have been letting other things take up priority in your heart or space in your mind or your ears to just do what, what is said here. To let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Right? Maybe you need to pick up your Bible where you have put it down. Maybe you need to replace that news podcast you're listening to all the time with the sermon series. Uh, maybe on the fruit of the Spirit. Right, the second thing that I would ask you to think about is what have you been putting on? In the same way I got up in the middle of the night and I put on the wrong pants, uh, what have you been putting on? Right, have you been putting on, uh, in light of everything we've been going through, have you been putting on what we're told to you, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, if a complaint is raised, or if a complaint is raised against one another, Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Right? And above all these, put on love. Or, does your list look like putting on bitterness, grumbling, complaining, anger? All very natural responses to what we are going through currently. Maybe you're discouraged as you read this list and you think, I am not changing at all. You see the first list of sins to put off, and you think, that's where I'm living currently, that's where I'm living right now. Uh, and maybe you're discouraged, and I would encourage you to read, uh, read the whole book of Colossians. Go back to Galatians, read Ephesians, and just see what Christ has done for you. 
He has given you the power by the Holy Spirit, by giving you a new heart to walk in newness of life. Seek out fellowship. Talk to other believers. Let them encourage you with His Word. May the, the Spirit of God work in your heart. And maybe this morning you are just encouraged because you think, Lord, thank you. You have worked in my heart. You continue to do these things. And if that is the case, praise God. May you be an encouragement to others. May you love uh, others. These times we are living in are, are difficult. They are difficult for me. Uh, there's lots of things I don't like about them. But as I've studied, uh, as the Lord has convicted my own heart, uh, it's become abundantly clear that there's lots of things that have not changed. And how we grow in our need to be more like Christ has not changed. And so uh, I'd ask you to bow your heads and I'd ask you just to pray along with me that he would give us eyes to see uh, how we're to walk in these times. Uh, would he work in our hearts? And so, Father, we pray that you would be with us. Um, Lord, even as I preach through this text, I recognize my own heart, Lord, and the multiple ways that I fall short. Uh, of your standard, and so Lord, would you forgive me, Father, would you work in my own heart, Lord, would you work in the hearts of those who are here, uh, would you cause us to, um, yeah, to exude, really, Lord, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, would you uh, help us to turn away, to repent of, and to put to death sin in our lives, Father, we thank you that you are gracious, that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast mercy, we thank you that you have not left us to our own devices. Lord, but you have given us a new heart. And so, Father, we pray that you be with us. Would you help us this morning? Would you help us to know you, to love you, and to serve you? Father, we need your help at each and every moment of every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.